Welcome back to the 2448 show. I'm your host, Adam Brown. Your producer and mine is Connor Smith. And today on the program, we have Chad Withrow from Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. Chad, how are you doing today? Doing great, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, uh, we appreciate you coming on. Um, last week, we talked about uh, your tweet after the Tennessee-Missouri game uh, where you pointed out that 8-4, and four, if that's Josh Heupel's floor, isn't really a bad place to be, especially with a bridge quarterback. Uh, after 8-4 and four is essentially locked in, do you still feel that that's Josh Heupel's floor at Tennessee? Yeah, I think that this year was always going to define the floor. So if, if last year was kind of an early ceiling to get a, a glimpse at, which was, you know, 10-2, and two, I guess 11-2 and two to end, I thought this year with replacing all that skill, skill position talent at Tennessee and Joe Milton taking over, this would sort of define the floor for Josh Heupel. I, I still feel that way. Uh, I think the last two weeks are a reminder that where Tennessee looked really good a year ago and looked good at times early this season, uh, they're just not where they need to be at certain positions from a talent or depth standpoint. And the moment they started losing uh, guys at certain key spots, it got really difficult uh, for Tennessee, and they're just not very good at places like linebacker and defensive back. And they're certainly, they certainly don't have a lot of depth there. And that's been exposed uh, the last couple of weeks by some really good teams. So I still think they, you know, this is a team that under Josh Heupel, I believe, could win an SEC title at some point. But there is the possibility that this is a, an 8-4 and four to 10-2 and two type team uh, that's never truly contending. But, guys, as you know, the good news is when we move to this 12-team playoff, 10-2 and two in the SEC probably gets you into the, the playoff with a chance to play for a national title. So that could be good enough in the long run. But, yeah, I think that this is the season uh, with Joe Milton at quarterback that probably defines the floor for Tennessee. Joe Milton is obviously a freak athlete. Um, so whatever it is that he's missing, it seems to be, at least in my opinion, mental. And, and not that he's – unintelligent or dumb but it's more of the he's he's lacking the the x factor the killer instinct that you hope your quarterback has or maybe it's just that he doesn't have the ability to read and dissect a defense and it's obvious that Heupel doesn't fully trust him so what is it in your opinion that he's missing I think there are a lot of athletes who just play a position or play a sport because they're physically very gifted to play that position or a sport there are a lot of people who don't really love it um, Albert Hainsworth told me this at one point. You know, I, I don't know that at times Albert Hainsworth fully loved playing football. Terrell Casey was another one with the Titans that didn't always love it. He wanted to get away from football, didn't want to watch it, didn't want to think about it when he wasn't at work. He'd watch cooking shows. Uh, but he was physically gifted, and he could play in the NFL and make a lot of money doing it, so he did it. A buddy of mine described Joe Milton this way, and I think it's perfect. There are certain guys who play to win. And there are other guys who play to play. And I think Joe Milton's a guy who plays to play. I don't ever sense any desperation in him. I don't ever sense any true urgency with him. I think he's an extremely gifted guy that has the ability to play quarterback at a very high level. But I think too often Joe Milton plays to play. I don't see a quarterback that's going to do anything it takes to win a football game and that's always completely with it on what it takes to win the game. Um, I think we saw that when he ran out of bounds against Ole Miss when he had to be inserted in the game. I, we've seen it a number of times this year when the breaks go against Tennessee that he's not completely with it and ready to sell out to win the game. Um, and I, I don't know that's necessarily a knock at Joe Milton. That's just kind of who he is from what I can tell. Again, certain guys play to win. 
certain guys play to play. I think he's a guy who plays to play. So, obviously, fans see that as well, and that can get frustrating uh, for the fan base. And I think uh, when it comes to Nico, it's all about perspective. And so, like, from the coach's perspective, it seems that they don't trust him. And so, from the fan perspective, it would make sense to play Nico. Um, but I think what people are missing is Nico and his family and how they see the situation. And my line of thinking is they didn't want him to redshirt early because they saw a possibility of him getting in early, whether it be injury or benching, what have you, and then never coming back out like Peyton Manning did against Florida. Um, but then as the season went on and Tennessee made it clear that being a contender was out of the question, I think maybe Nico and his family made the business decision of keeping their options open and said, hey, we'd rather Nico not play in games that have little to no stakes and potentially get injured. Um, I never bought the whole messing with his confidence excuse because at some point you'd mess with his confidence by not playing him if he wanted to play. So uh, do you buy my line of thinking, or should there be concerns about either A, Heupel's loyalty to Milton, or B, Nico's ability as a quarterback? Well, I think at this point, Adam, you know, it's a, a buddy of mine kind of said the same text, time to move on to, to Nico, and I'm thinking – you know, there was, this was the fourth quarter of the Georgia game. I'm thinking there's five quarters left in the bowl game where it could, probably some guys aren't going to play anyway. So they are moving on to Nico next year. I, I don't know what good it does uh, to move on to Nico right now. And, yeah, it's definitely an effort to preserve his, his uh, redshirt ability and not put him in, in in games that don't really mean a lot right now other than pride at this point in bowl positioning. So, no, I, I think that's more what it is. And I'll also say this, guys. I mean, I, I think Nico looks great in the limited time he plays. He's a big, smooth athlete. Um, I don't know what he's made of, right? I don't know how he's going to play when things get tough. As a quarterback, if he has all those intangibles, that X factor, you want to see in a guy that's going to lead your program and win. I, I don't know. Here's the other thing I don't know. I don't know he's coming back. I mean, I, I don't know that with anyone. I'm not saying I have any knowledge that he's wanting to leave or anything, but I think we've entered a, an era of college football that's – very much unlike most of my life, where you could actually see what guy's class was and judge how long you had to develop them. If they were a sophomore and junior, I don't even look at that anymore because it's year to year with everyone. So, um, you know, Nico could preserve that red shirt. Tennessee could have him for two, three more years, or he could bolt after one year. Who knows uh, what's going to happen? But I don't think it's because they don't trust him or they don't like him as an athlete or a quarterback. I think it has a lot more to do with just preserving that red shirt for, for whatever reason they want to do it. And, and the fact that I, I think it's pretty pointless at this point. Uh, I think Joe Milton can beat Bandy. Uh, I think he did that pretty easily last year. As long as they can run the ball the way they should and hit some open receivers, I think they're going to be fine in this one where you won't need Nico to go win this game. Uh, hey, Scott, this is Connor. Um, for aspect of next year, you know, they've got to fill some holes at DB, O-line, maybe some front seven. Uh, do you think they should keep like the the spots for experience wise, like in house, like with the guys on the roster, or go to, like look at the portal for different guys? I think they're going to need to do a little bit of both. They're going to have to look at what they have on that roster and decide who's worth developing and giving a look. And that's really the best way to go about it. You know, Georgia's winning these national titles because they're developing guys in their program that are all four and five star guys, and one four and five star class replaces the next four and five star class. And then they go on to the NFL after the one before them. That's the way to do it. I think you can do really well just spotting some different transfer portal guys at positions of need. Tennessee's going to have to go to the portal again at offensive line, which is a little bit disconcerting. I don't think their recruited guys have developed the level they want, clearly. Uh, and that's been a problem for Tennessee. Uh, they're probably going to need some help at linebacker. I don't know if Keenan Peely 
is coming back or not, but they're going to have to look there as well. Defensive back continues to be an issue. Uh, maybe receiver if they don't like the way some of the younger guys are developing. That's been a problem spot for Tennessee. So, look, to answer your question, it's, it's both. That They're going to have to add some guys in the portal that can help immediately, and they're going to need some guys to get better that, that's in the younger classes. Arion Carter is a great example who I think could be a great linebacker for Tennessee who got hurt this season. He's going to need to get healthy, develop this offseason. If Tennessee's going to have a chance to reach the potential, I think they have under Heifel. Chad, uh, I mentioned perspective with the with the Vols. Uh, switching over to Titans, do Titans fans need a perspective change when it comes to this team? Because in my opinion, they're in essentially year zero of a rebuild um, because they had a GM that the owner admitted the roster was so bad it was worth firing him. So, um, you know, less than a calendar year is not enough time to fix that big of an issue. So do Titans fans need to see this team uh, as a rebuild rather than a contender that's not performing up to standards? Well, if a Titans fan doesn't understand that this is a, a rebuild and not a playoff team, then I, I don't know that I can help that Titans fan at this point because we have all the evidence we need with that roster and, and these games and what we're seeing on the field. All you can hope for this year, if you're a Titans fan, you should root for Will Levis to do well in hopes that they found their franchise quarterback. It doesn't look great so far. He also doesn't have a lot of help, so I'm not overly judgmental of Levis's performance at any point. He had a great first game. Um, but you got to hope that he's the guy moving forward because if he is, you got a luxury of not dedicating a lot of money in the salary cap to the quarterback position with a second-round pick on a rookie deal where you can go out and hit some spots in free agency and trade for some draft capital and do some things you need to do. The problem with the Titans is they waited too long to start this rebuild. Most people knew this roster wasn't great, and now this roster is underperforming, especially on defense where they've allocated most of their resources. So they should have admitted to themselves before the season this was a rebuild. They decided to try to go for it for what, I don't know, uh, because knowing what they are, they really didn't have much of a chance. But instead, they've decided to do that, and now it's sort of this slow rebuild where they're kind of one foot in, one foot out, and I don't think you can half measure this thing and, and get the job done. So uh, they know it now. This is a full-on rebuild. The hope would be that you've got a, a franchise quarterback in Will Levis. I asked the question because it seems to me that people are looking for someone to blame the struggles on, and they're going after Mike Vrabel, when in reality, teams that are rebuilding just aren't very good. And so I don't know what people are expecting from this team now that it kind of seems that even the Titans have recognized, okay, we're restarting. Yeah, I mean, I think Mike Vrabel has, hasn't done a good job this year, but I don't think anybody in the Titans organization has. So uh, he's just on a long list of guys who, who haven't done their best. Uh, this season, it's been it's been a bad season. I still think Mike Vrabel's a good coach. I don't think there's any hot seat or anything like that. And, but Titans fans, I'm I'm fine with them being upset with Vrabel too. I, I think for a while he's gotten a free pass in all this. You know, there were problems with Vrabel, even when there were problems with John Robinson. It wasn't all one or the other. I think John Robinson sort of got the blame for everything, and that's fine. The change probably needed to be made there, and, and they they went with that change. But it's on Vrabel now. This is his organization. I think he gets final say over everything. So he's in charge of this rebuild, and how the rebuild is going or not going ultimately falls on his shoulders. And fans, I'm fine with fans understanding that and, and realizing it, holding Mike Vrabel accountable. I also don't think he's going to handle this losing thing the rest of the way very well. Um, not that you want your head coach to handle losing well or be okay with it, but I don't think that's going to be a, a strong suit for Mike Vrabel 
knowing his personality. Uh, yeah, you know, Chad, the players have come out and said that their practices are not, like, translating to the, the games, obviously. But then Vrabel's coming out and defending the coaches, saying, you know, it's not the coaches, it's the players not executing. Obviously, there's something going on internally. In, in your opinion, what's the issue there? I think you got a lot of strong-willed guys uh, that don't want people to blame them for what's going on because they see a lot of other things happening that's bad, too. Um, comes to Bill Belichick's school of doing that. And I think that's normally what he wants to do. Um, I think this is one where everybody's got to look in the mirror, right? I'll point out Jeffrey Simmons. Jeffrey Simmons has got to be more accountable. Jeffrey Simmons is not the dominant player that he once was, and he's not been that this year. But Jeffrey Simmons wants to talk to people and act like, hey, you don't know ball. If you know what's going on, you're not making a difference. And he needs to be making more of a difference with the contract he has and what they're paying him. So it's going to take everyone looking in the mirror and deciding, here's what I could do to get better. And not worrying about outside noise or outside blame and what people are looking at or what fans are saying. Worry less about that. Worry more about what you can do. And that's going to help this Titans team. Chad, with the state that this roster is in, I have a hard time placing the majority of the blame on Vrabel. Um, I think it's fair to wait until after they're able to use the resources that they got from the Kevin Byard trade. I think they're second in cap space this offseason. So that's the official start of the rebuild to me, which is why I said year zero earlier. Um, so I'm reserving judgment on Vrabel as a coach until after he's able to get a, you know two feet into this rebuild. You mentioned them being half and half. Uh, a fair question to me that I've heard people brought, bring up is whether or not he's the guy to develop whatever young quarterback the Titans end up with. And I'm looking at Josh Dobbs and what he's doing in Minnesota. Is his success an indictment on Vrabel and Carthon's ability to recognize and develop quarterback talent? I thought the Dobbs thing was kind of weird. Uh, I thought that he had earned a, you know, a chance to be the backup quarterback for the Titans. So, um, yeah, I can see some of that. I need to see a little bit more of that before drawing that conclusion on Vrabel. Um, Mike Vrabel has a terrible record in the last, what, 17, 18 games? So that does fall on his feet to an extent. Is the roster bad? Yes. But have we seen NFL coaches do more with less? Absolutely. Not everyone, but if you remember Mike Vrabel, I think in season one, won a game against the first-place Houston Texans and Deshaun Watson, a good team, with Blaine Gabbert at quarterback and I think Kevin Byard throwing a touchdown uh, in a fake punt. So he's a guy known for, at times, stealing a game and finding a way to win when his back's up against the wall. He's not doing that anymore. They didn't do that a single time last year in that long losing streak. They couldn't do it once down the stretch to find a way to beat Jacksonville and eke their way in the playoffs. They're not really doing it this season either. So Mike Vrabel needs to get back to doing that also. I'm not willing to let him escape all blame. I think there's plenty of slices of the blame pie to go around, and he has one of them too. Uh, it's not all on him. It's not all on the roster. It's not all on John Robinson. It's a little bit of everyone, including ownership. I mean, this was – they delayed the rebuild of what everyone saw should be happening, and they decided to try to hold on for dear life and make something happen, and they realized pretty quickly this season nothing was going to happen. Chad, uh, we thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. We're going to uh, go to break, and when we come back, we will have our SEC and Tennessee Titans pick for the weekend. Chad, we appreciate it, buddy. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. Always fun talking with you, Adam. Nice nice talking to you, Connor. Absolutely. If you want more Chad Withrow, you can find him on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow on OutKick. I highly recommend that show personally.